Well, hey there, how you doing today? Welcome back to my YouTube channel. Thanks for joining me. Well, I wanna talk about some new information for me that I think is starting to connect all these other topics that we've been talking about on this channel for many years now. You know, we've had many conversations about crop circles and the weird sort of electronic effects that I've personally experienced and seen and interviewed people who've experienced in and around crop circles, mostly in the UK. Obviously, we've talked about UFOs here, UFO materials, as they're UAPs, as they're called now, and other related topics like resonant viewing, you know, this ability to perceive information, non-local information, uh, information at a distance, these seemingly uh, inexplicable sort of phenomena that really challenge our kind of modern day paradigm of the way we think the universe works. Well, there's another phenomena that's actually local to the area I'm in here uh, in uh, Boulder, Colorado, and actually throughout the entire United States, and that's the Bigfoot phenomena. Now, this isn't something that I really knew very much about until uh, a few months ago. I have encountered Bigfoot witnesses over the years, people who have told me in just the course of doing things in their daily lives, they came across uh you know, this classic description of this very tall, very strong-looking, hairy, man-ape-like creature that can really howl. Uh, sometimes it has a kind of an orange-colored hair. I remember talking to a realtor that said he saw such a creature. Uh, I'm using creature for lack of a better word, since we don't really know, you know, where they actually belong in the phylogenetic uh, tree of life, but um, he, this realtor saw this very tall, what he thought was an animal initially in Southern Colorado in the, you know, while he was looking at land that was for sale. And he said it walked on two legs and it never stopped walking on two legs. In fact, it seemed to walk like a person on two legs. Uh, another individual told me that he saw something in the Colorado Springs area to the west, up in the mountains there, uh, Woodland Park, I believe it was, just walk over a very tall fence with just one stride, you know, like a six-foot-tall fence. And uh, another woman who I haven't shared her interview yet, perhaps we'll in the future, said that she was, again, in the Colorado Springs area, slightly to the west, and, you know, something came up onto the porch of this house where she was living with several other women. And she was upstairs meditating. She didn't see it, but she saw this image of a Bigfoot in her mind's eye just before it let out a huge scream, which is very typical behavior for this entity. Uh, a very loud shriek. Some people say it kind of really creeps them out. It's the creepiest thing they've ever heard. Extremely loud. It can be like a howl. It can turn into different sounds. And But the, there was a woman downstairs in the kitchen uh, uh, who uh, actually saw it with her eyes, and it was right there on the porch looking through, you know, their, their patio glass door in the kitchen there. So, uh, so I came across these encounters a couple of years ago. I never really thought about it uh, 
until about a few months ago, I started uh, just doing a little more research into the topic. And I found out that there had been sightings just a few miles from where I'm recording this video. Uh, and the interesting thing about these sorts of sightings is either people never wanted to talk about it again or even waited 10 years to report it. There is a site you can report in the United States uh, to the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization, BFRO.net. So I started looking more into these encounters, realizing they were happening around here. And I realized we're dealing with the same black swan ghost effect that I talked about when I wrote my book about UFO witnesses is basically this. And Jacques Vallée said this quite a while ago, uh, the stranger in the encounter, the less likely people are to talk about it. And in the cases of these Bigfoot encounters, it seems they're actually, I'm not going to say that they're really common, but they're not really rare either. But what we have in common with uh, what we find with many of these encounters that people have is they never want to talk about it again because it's so strange. And they don't even talk about it with the people that they saw it with. It's that weird. It's that far out of our typical ordinary way of thinking that people don't talk about it. So we've kind of got this double whammy here, which is uh, the people don't want to talk about it because they're afraid of being ridiculed. And because it's such a type of experience that maybe people that you know in your life wouldn't necessarily believe, right? They think you probably just saw a bear or, you know, mistook another sort of animal in the forest, uh, that you're not going to talk about it because of the ridicule factor. The same thing we've encountered uh, with UFO witnesses over the years. Now, there's a number of books I've read about this, uh, some from Tom Lyons, who's written a series of uh, Bigfoot encounter books just from stories that people have written into him, just like uh, Terry Lovelace did with his recent Devil's Den, The Reckoning. And he had about 30 stories. We had a live stream with Terry not too long ago. And we, we talked about some of those stories that people had shared with him after he published his first book, Incident at Devil's Den. And then there's also Rusty Wilson, who's done a number of, uh, he's a, a fly fisherman tour guide, and he's collected a lot of stories uh, over the years of people's Bigfoot encounters in Colorado, in Glacier National Park, in Yellowstone National Park. So, now, one thing I should say is I haven't personally seen uh, any Bigfoot that I remember. I haven't heard any of the knocking sounds. I haven't encountered the phenomenon myself. But in reading through some of these stories from these books that you can purchase about people's Bigfoot encounters, I was really surprised to find that in many places in Montana that I've been and in this area of Colorado, that in actual locations, the exact same places I've been, that there have been encounters. And that's really interesting is when you realize that places that you consider to be familiar have been the site of these very strange encounters. So I started reading these uh, accounts and then about... Uh, about a year ago, I actually visited the Bailey Bigfoot Museum in Bailey, Colorado, which is about 45 miles from here. And I was really surprised to learn that um, there are a lot of Bigfoot encounters in this area. Now, the encounters are not necessarily where people see a very tall, hairy 
man ape like creature sometimes they hear what's called these knocking sounds uh really strong rapping sounds on trees that sounds like a baseball bat hitting a tree but it's very rhythmic and in some cases it does kind of a call and answer with you if you knock back on trees in your area people have found these wood structures out there in the woods now these are very uh what's interesting about this is that there's a lot of commonality uh in these sorts of tree structures they're made sometimes of logs that would be too heavy for people to move by themselves big logs and they're arranged in certain patterns way out in very inaccessible areas sometimes and then there's a this uh, sort of gifting phenomena that people have reported leaving things out in in their homes in rural areas and having something else you know in its place uh in exchange like a kind of a kind of primitive type of barter if you will and this is something we talked about with uh, Julie uh, in that broadcast we did with her not too long ago, Jules and Noelle, uh, where we talked about her uh, Bigfoot sighting as a kid in Indiana and later in Alabama where, you know, uh, something showed up that she needed a plumber's wrench exactly at the right time in her uh, driveway. So there, in the Bailey area, there are a lot of these sort of characteristics of what we find around uh, Bigfoot sightings. But the real interesting thing to me about all of this is something that is in common to crop circles, UFOs, Bigfoot sightings, poltergeist sightings, and anything that we label in this large sort of uh, genre of paranormal, which is the battery and camera failure. And this happened... Just a few months ago in a town called Drake, Colorado, which is just a little ways down from Estes Park, uh, not too far from Rocky Mountain National Park, uh, which, you know, I hope you've had a chance to visit. I, I visited I visited there many times, at, but the first uh, time I visited there was a long time ago as a teenager in the 1970s on a camping trip uh, when I still lived back east with a group of other teenagers. And that's when I was introduced to uh, Rocky Mountain National Park. Well, this encounter uh, that I read about on the BFOR site really got me thinking. And I'll, I'll post a photo up here of what this woman was able to take uh, with her cell phone camera. Uh, the story goes that she was visiting a f she was visiting a friend's cabin that was, you know shuttered for the winter and the friend wanted to see if the cabin was okay and she this woman said uh she heard the sounds of what she thought were kids playing in the back which didn't sort of make sense to her and she goes around the back and she sees several very tall bigfoot like creatures amongst the trees and she said the next thing that happened is they kind of made these sounds one of them did with its vocal apparatus, and keep in mind these are very large creatures uh, that can make very loud sounds, but she said it made kind of an infrasound, like a very low vibration, and it caused her to feel so disoriented she didn't even know how to get back to the car where her husband was. The next thing that happened is she took the photo and then her phone uh, died. The batteries in the phone died. And she was able to get back to her husband because she they had walkie-talkies and the walkie-talkies still worked. Um, and, and this is the photo of what she was able to take. Now, when they did a reconstruction of how high something would have been to look like this, it would have been about eight feet. Now, what this 
woman reported in Drake, Colorado, just from last year. It's actually been reported by other Bigfoot witnesses. They, they've reported feeling disoriented from some sound emanating from the creature and even cases of missing time. So this is what's really interesting to me. When I've read about a lot of these encounters, we find some very similar characteristics uh, that we found around crop circles and we've found around UFO encounters, UFO witnesses, and other related phenomena, which is battery and camera failure. So why do you think that is? If Bigfoot is just a wood ape, as some people argue, why would it affect cameras and batteries? I mean, when you have raccoons come around your place at night looking for something to eat out of the garbage, do they cause your batteries and cameras to go? No, of course not. So there has to be something different about that. And to me, that's really what's important here, is in all of these types of phenomena, you get camera and battery failure. Again, in poltergeists, hauntings, and people who do ghost hunting, which isn't something I've done a lot of, but I've heard the, the, the stories of. So to me, this indicates something really important about the nature of these phenomena, which is uh, we don't really know what's going on. When we look around reality, and we look around our our, our world here we sort of assume we know what's going on but maybe we don't maybe we just know a tiny little percent of the whole thing uh, i remember speaking to one of robert bigelow's people that worked with him at skinwalker ranch now if you'll remember uh robert bigelow while he was doing research at the skinwalker ranch did have support from the department of defense through the OSAP program, uh, what seems to have been a predecessor to ATIP. Uh, and part of what OSAP was looking at were these apparent Bigfoot sightings and sightings of other cryptids, as they're called, out at Skinwalker Ranch. Probably heard of that story where they saw something step out of a portal. A huge creature. Well, the person who actually saw that was Chad Deetkin, as he told me when we were over in the crop circles uh, many years ago in the late 90s. He said he was actually there with some other people who were looking at these infrared cameras on the screen and they saw a portal open up in the road and a huge creature step out of the portal and then walk off into the darkness and the portal kind of closed up again. Now, this is something, again, I heard about this maybe 20 years ago, but it didn't really click with me what was going on. But if you read about these Bigfoot encounters, there's these reports of portals opening up. There's reports of Bigfoot dropping out of UFOs, materializing out of balls of light, things like this. And you can read more about these types of stories in a very good book that I'm reading now, where the Footprints End by Renner and Kutkin. Where the Footprints End. And they go into all these sorts of very interesting kind of stories where we hear about these sorts of encounters of portals opening up and the UFO connection, the batteries, people going out on these Bigfoot expeditions in the Sierra Nevadas, having the cameras and batteries fail. Now, I, I've seen the ca cameras and batteries fail around crop circles. I've heard about it from other people. I've even heard about it from National Geographic, 
when I filmed with them near Silbury Hill. And they told me uh, other stories of BBC having their cameras and batteries fail when they were reporting about crop circles. So this is a something I've been able to document. You get this camera and battery failure around crop circles. We know it happens around UFOs, but it also happens around Bigfoot. People's cars stall around Bigfoot, just like they do around UFOs. You remember one of the uh, witnesses I interviewed for Black Swan Ghost, Joy, Joy French, said that they were driving up, I uh, believe it was uh, Mount St. Helens, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, she said that the car, first the radio got kind of strange and the car stalled. So what is it about these phenomena that cause batteries to fail, cars to stall, uh, radios to go on the fritz, uh, cameras to stop working? I mean, uh, to me, it really shows that there's some fundamental underlying connection between all these phenomena and that the stranger the phenomena again, as Jacques Vallée says, the, the less likely people are even to talk about it and the less likely, you know, the average person is to believe it. So is our perception of reality that distorted where these things are sort of happening and people just choose to cover it up, even uh, governors of states like Fife Symington did with the Phoenix Light sighting in 1997, where he really scared the heck out of him and he made fun of it the next day at a press conference because he was afraid people were going to panic. So is that what we're dealing with here? I mean, is our sense of reality really off so far that we're missing a huge amount of witness reports about these sorts of phenomena that to me, well, they indicate that the universe doesn't really work just in a physical way, obviously. And this is something that, uh, Davis and Valet talked about, you know, the, the Valet Davis model, um, this kind of layered model of people's experiences, is it just simply doesn't fit into what we were taught about how things work. It doesn't even lend itself to a type of scientific analysis because it's just uh, not necessarily repeatable and it, it's hard to document and it's not physical. And the essence of our you know, modern scientific paradigm is that things that are physical are real. And then we can take measurements and, 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 and compare measurements and theories. But if we can't do that with these phenomena, if they're not, if they have a non-physical realm where they can, uh, you know, as Valet says, change the topology of our environment so that physical objects don't even seem the same. If they can materialize in and out of our reality, it makes them challenging to study from a scientific point of view. But that doesn't mean it's not happening. I think if you look into these Bigfoot encounters, I know it happens in every state in the United States. And if you're not in the United States, you know, if you're in the UK or wherever you are, you're probably having something like this happening too. But it might be part of your folklore, something that people have said is part of folklore. Every indigenous uh, peoples around the planet have stories of either Bigfoot or it's like a little foot or fairies and spirits. And for the most part, we haven't believed them. We've just said it's folklore, right? And even in my training in sociology, we're going to say that it's folklore. But let's say we're actually the ones that are creating a folklore that these things don't exist and that everything has to fit in our kind of narrow definition of a scientific paradigm scientific research the way it's been done and we say if it doesn't fit into that okay it's folklore but maybe what we're coming to realize is reality is just much bigger than we thought and 
if we can f see that in every case where you have these sorts of phenomena, you get these weird electronic effects. I think it's very interesting to me. Very interesting, and it it shows us we're dealing with a phenomena that has definitive impacts on the electromagnetic spectrum, and it affects our technology, and it affects us through resonance or some other process. I think that's important. I think it's very important, and it gives us a way to actually start talking about what is going on here. I'm not saying I completely understand it, but I think it, again, indicates one possible explanation is that it indicates uh, parallel realities. Interaction with parallel realities, sort of when they bounce off each other, you sort of get these effects, and that's what we're seeing here. I mean, it's quite possible that when Bigfoot see us, they're just as surprised as when we see them. You know, we assume they're coming into our reality. How do we know we're not going into their reality? Okay. I think you get the point and see what I'm saying here, but I think this is something we should be looking at a little more uh, closely. So thanks for listening. Uh, put your comments in the box below. Always interested to hear what you have to say, and we will see you in the next video. Take care for now, and bye.